Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's the Red Men Originals Podcast. I am Paul Machen. I am joined for this one by Chris Pajak, by Chloe Bloxham, and by Steve Plunkett as well. All feeling happy and fulfilled after a big Liverpool win on Monday night, uh, beating Leicester 3-0. Uh, we're going to have a big old chat about that game. We're going to talk about Bobby Firmino uh, and his emotional moment with the away fans. Uh, we're going to be doing Agony Rant, and uh, we're also going to have a bit of a look ahead, um, maybe a little bit towards the summer as well in part two. Uh, Liverpool, the Leicester three, Chris Pajak, great win. Um, and we, we spoke on Pint last week about how they had the break to Barcelona and, you know, there was a little dangling thread of a story there. If it doesn't go right, if you lose afterwards, then that's going to be used to beat them. As it is, they just look like they look really refreshed, they look really relaxed, look really happy, and it's shone in the performance. You know what, it really did. And I, think, I don't think I was nervous going into the game, to be honest with you, about it, kind of forgotten about it completely by the time the game rolled around and obviously then you see that Darwin's not in the squad and stuff like that and you think, oh, that sounds fine, no problem whatsoever and then those question marks going into the game of, is there enough off the bench if you really do need to change things up and about 15 minutes in I was like, oh, this is going to be this has got nil-nil wrote all over it, this hasn't it, and then boom, 30 minutes two, two minutes of absolute brilliance from <laughs> Liverpool and then probably that was followed by another 60 minutes of absolute domination. We were just sensational at it in every single way. You could see the confidence flowing from the lads and stuff. And it was a joy to watch in the end. Yeah, sorry. The Toffee TV boys have been bouncing around the building today. Um, absolutely made up all singing. You'll never walk alone at the top of the voices. They were happier to sing it today than they were during a moment of unity at the end of Eurovision, <laughs> um, is what I'd say. Um, Chloe, you were there. You described it as one of the best like ways of you... You've not had many good ones. No, I haven't. Not this season. That looked up daily. The best away day of my life. That um, we didn't win anything. I mean, there's I've seen us win everything, and yet that might be during that the best fifteen minutes of my life was just the the continuation of a Firmino song, and it was at the very end of the song where you, we got we purposely sung it low to then bounce again at the at the start of a song as it started again. Um, it was brilliant. The atmosphere was great. I thought the first five ten minutes. I was a little bit nervous for Leicester did come out at us. I don't think they created many chances, but they certainly put the pressure on us. Once we adapted to that, though, we hit a gear where they just could not reach us at all. And personally, from inside the stadium, you know, the Leicester fans were trying to wind Liverpool fans up. The songs they were singing, they were singing some absolutely horrific chants as well. Um, 
But that just aggravated Liverpool more. And I hope it aggravated the two Scousers on the pitch because, my word, they stepped up for Liverpool. They stepped up against a Tory fan base here. Um, absolutely sunk them. And to be fair, I'd absolutely love to see them go down. I, yeah, I agree on that. I really have a, a mad dislike for Leicester and they do it to themselves. You know, there's yeah. a bit of like, I, I was annoyed when they won the league out of nowhere because I think it ruined. It should have been one of those like saves football moments. And in some regards, it was. It bossed for everyone the idea that you can come from nowhere and win the league. But it also told anyone that you can win the league from nowhere, which you mean really everyone's can't. been doing crap. Yeah, yeah, but it's like, it's but it's 5,000 to 1 for a reason. Effectively, it's impossible. Steve, what was your what was your overall thoughts after the game? Yeah, uh, made up for the win, obviously. All you can do is keep winning and putting the pressure on those above us. I think the 25 minutes, half an hour, wasn't a great game. There was no quality. And it was very bitty in terms of lots of fouls, um, some strange ones given Leicester, by the ref as well. That was a game plan for Leicester, wasn't it? Yeah, of course it was. I mean, the, the best evidence of that would be Diaz gets pulled back. Referee doesn't give it, sees his arse, then does exactly the same to the Leicester player, gives the free kick away. Suddenly, Madison's in a position to fizz one into the box. That was like, you could see that coming. I thought Pawson lost control of the game to start with. I think it was like, he who shouts loudest will get the free kick, and Leicester were doing that in abundance. Um, but you win. When you learn to win, you learn to win, and it becomes a habit. And the moment we got the first goal, they remembered what it was like to have a losing habit and having, that was their 22nd yes. loss of the season. So mentally very, very poor from them in terms of once we'd scored the first goal, that was it for me. The game was done. And um, as Chloe says, the songs are appalling. So it was nice that the two scouts put them to the sword. I One moment on the on the chance stuff, I was thinking about this because I was watching it at home and listening to us do the, the, the fuck the Tory stuff and they come back with fuck the scousers. And I'm like, sound. That's actually fine. I'm actually made. I'm, I'm actually made up. It's the closest thing the football clubs have got to banter on the terraces that doesn't cross the line. I'm happy for people to hate to, to have a go back at being scouts and winers up that way. Absolutely fine with that. Um, it's a good example, weirdly, of like you can turn something back on its head. Now, ultimately, the fact is we're singing fuck the Tories and they're defending the Conservative government by instead saying fuck us, which I think is hilarious. Like you mean about like you know Turkey's that war's been raging for quite some time. <laughs> Turkey's voting for Christmas, like um. But yeah, I mean, I, I I actually don't have a problem with that. But it's you know it's when they pull out all the other standard bollocks that you'll have every single every single time. That's the thing for me. There's just notes of encouragement that they can at least think on their feet and do something in return that isn't just going down the whole poverty, victims, murderers, all that kind of shit. We got we well, yeah, I know, exactly. Um but yeah, I I say I, don't, I genuinely don't mind. People say if I say folks counsels all you want, it's great. Please by all by all means carry that on. Um and I, I Chloe, you mentioned the scousers there. Let's let's talk about one of them. Um in Curtis Jones. Wow. Like, I mean, particularly the second goal is just outrageous. Um, I was thinking in that first 15 minutes, Kurt's fine here. He's having a decent game, but lots going through him, but he's not being enough of a killer. He was playing it quite safe, safe and quite simple, and not in the way that he would have done if he was playing 20 yards deeper. Um because he was getting the ball in quite brave areas of the pitch, but I wanted him to be a bit more ruthless and rather than knock it on, go and take a man on, go and try and make something happen himself. But yeah, once he got his, once he got the first goal, it was he, he didn't look back after that. No, he didn't. And the first goal is actually really important because what I've said about our midfield under Jurgen Klopp, in fact, you could say for for a long time since Steven Gerrard, is that. Our midfielders don't get enough goals in a season. They don't at all. They don't help out the front three. We're so reliant on that front three. And 
Curtis Jones might just be it. He might be the type of player who can bag you decent goals and assist tallies every single season for you. Um, we've saw the the blueprint of that first goal before. We saw it at, at Spurs at Anfield where he arrives at the back post. I don't know how he's in so much space. What I, what happens to Leicester's defence, I've got no idea. But he senses it. He makes the run. He finds the space. He asks for it. Maybe puts a beautiful ball into him. And um, the connection he gets is decent. And it was then like... He was unleashed. He, he had the ability to roam about, control the game. Um, he, he didn't let anything go. He was winning balls back. He was energetic. He really took the game to Leicester. He was the kind of, and I don't want to mention Stephen Gerrard again, because Stephen Gerrard's on a, a different planet, but Stephen Gerrard did grab a game by the scruff of the neck, and I reckon Curtis Jones did that. The second is just instinct. It is brilliant. And the, the goals came from us moving the ball quick enough. We were getting in and around the area a lot in the first 25 minutes, but we were really slow on the ball. Um, and Mofis is a ball into him. On the half volley, on the half turn, he put it in the back of the net. It, it was brilliant. Um, ROA couldn't quite believe he'd scored that because <laughs> I've not seen that from Curtis Jones. You've seen glimpses, you know, the goal against Everton um, in the FA Cup, I think it was. Um, but yeah, he, he had a 10 out of 10 game. He was absolutely brilliant. Deserved man of the match. Um, and it's it's boss to see because, like you mentioned in his post-match stuff, he's missed 15 weeks of this season with injuries. That'd frustrate him because we've not had a midfield that's been good enough this season. And he could have very easily walked into that midfield earlier on than when he did. He came in at Chelsea, I thought he was really good, and since then, it seems like he's been the main man in our midfield, which isn't easy to do when you have got, you know, Thiago, although he's injured, the name of Thiago. You've got Henderson, who gets hailed for his his, his, his work off the ball. Fabinho, by the way, I thought was phenomenal the other day. Yeah. Um, thought he was brilliant. But for Curtis Jones, a youngster, to come in and just grab the game by the scruff of the neck, in when they're desperate for absolutely anything, it was boss to see. That goal, the second goal, was just, as you say, it was just perfect. I was sort of talking about it last night. I was like, it's De Canio, it's Zola, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's all of these, Matt Letizia, Yeboa, it, it had elements of all these great strikers. And I'm not really thinking about midfielders because it, it was just so instinctive. Mm. That was the word that you used, wasn't it? And the touch by Mo, I mean, it's a first time pass, isn't it? And it's absolutely brilliant. Like, and I didn't, I actually didn't think Mo was great last night, to be honest with you. And yet he walks away with three assists. And you're like, how the friggin' hell have you done that? Like, he lost, he must have lost the ball 20 times in the first 15 minutes or so, running down blind alleys and stuff. And yet, still has that impact on the game that you needed. But on the Kurt Jones stuff for me, like, everything that Chloe said is absolutely spot on. This system suits him. Second, probably the, it suits Trent the most, and yeah. it suits Kurt Jones the most after that for for me. And lo and behold, you know, one of our biggest criticisms, and this doesn't matter where you fall on it, was ownership and the transfer things. The biggest thing that everyone across the board has said is, don't have injury prone players. Don't be reliant upon players who get injured constantly. And people, you know, people talk about Thiago and they're talking about obviously a Naby Keita prize now, Alex Oxley Chamberlain, etc. And look, Curtis Jones has had his own fair share of injury problems. But we we've, we've just doubled down on a on the young, hungry, athletic, and fit lad. He's played so much football in this in this it's run. Nine starts on the bounce is the most in his Liverpool career, I believe. Yeah, and you'd see him starting the last two as well because he seems one of the most important people on the. Well, we see Endo's been dropping out. Endo yeah. dropped out for Gakpo last week, and Endo's dropped out for other players. Elliot's come in at times, and Kate yeah. Jones has been there. I'm, I'm also very surprised. He's always pretty much the last sub. 
Yeah. He, like, Anderson gets dragged, and maybe well, that's just age. He's, 20, but... he's 22. Yeah. There's no reason why he can't. Like, you look, I, I did this on my YouTube channel a couple of weeks ago, so looking at the age profiles and minutes compared to 18, 19. And the ones who do the most minutes are all lads who are in the prime. So they're aged between 23 and 26. You know, Virgil van Dijk, Jeannie Wijnaldum, Fabinho, Alison Becker, and Mohamed Salah. These are the ones who are doing 4,000 plus minutes in a season because you can. Because it's, it's an acceptable amount of football for someone to play like that because you're no longer developing, so you're not, you're not running the risk of ruining someone for doing it too soon. They're your prime years when you should be doing that. And Curtis Jones at 22 is actually probably still slightly young, you know, to be, be doing that. But... Right now, yeah, this is he's, he's kicking on, and you can trust him to be playing ninety minutes because why? Why not? He's not played. We sat around waiting for the opportunity to play. We've not run him into the ground, maybe psychologically a little bit, you know, because he was asked a lot even like the COVID season. He had to play too much for his age. Um, I he, he's he's flourishing, staying. He, you know, it, it looks like like Chris mentioned Trent. We're getting better every game. Mm. They're getting a greater understanding and. Curtis really typifies that because I expect it from Trent because I know he's world class but I've always had a sneaking feeling that Curtis Jones was a really good footballer um, and he's starting to starting to prove that right since we changed the shape the old system we used to have with the flat three wouldn't work particularly well for him because it it takes away it inhibits his natural game now with him being brave look at the assist against uh, Leeds in most Salah's position when he plays the ball across the box. The second goal yesterday, he's finding himself in positions that a genie would now done probably would never find himself in because it's once you once you we haven't got the ball, get back in the battle zone, get back in the battle zone, have that three rigid across the middle of the park. Klopp speaks a lot about bravery, taking chances, and, and that suits Curtis Jones's game. So you're exactly right. Trent's benefited the most. And then it's Curtis that's benefited second to that. And right now, when you're sitting right up in the midfield, he's the first name on the team sheet. A fair play to him because the lads copped a lot of flack, a lot of it unjustified from our own fan base. Because when you go and score a goal like he did against Everton, we have a very expectating, expectant fan base, haven't we, that think, go on, do it again. You can do that every game because you've done it once. Life's not like that. Kind of has a drop off after that, and you have to get used to what the player is. And as Paul says, you know, some strange injuries, not like a reoccurring hamstring. There's a an eye injury and shin splints that could be part of still still coming to the end of his growth cycle as an adult. Mm-hmm. So so it's really good to see. And right now, um, the the future of our midfield looks really good. And whatever the midfield is, personnel wise, next year, Curtis Jones is a, is a, is an absolute part of that. Setting. I want to just let's carry on the Genie Van Alden comparison because that's the one that everyone's been talking. About. We haven't signed the Genie Van Alden replacement, blah blah blah. The thing that we remember here, look, caveat all of this, it's just still a pretty short run of games, you know, by by all told. Now he's played ninety five times for Liverpool now, which is a pretty good return for a twenty two year old. Um, but we're talking about Genie Van Alden. It's such a rare thing for a start, you know. He's a winger or a number ten. And then he's brought in and converted into a, a set of box-to-box midfielder, occasional defensive midfielder. But he's also brought in at like 25. And he's got probably 50 international caps for Holland under his belt at this point. He's captained PSV, I think, at some point earlier in his career before he comes in there. He's got a couple of years of experience with Newcastle in the Premier League. This is The point is, this is a this is an established footballer. He's captain in. of about two or three clubs before he came to us as well, Genie. Yeah. yeah. And this is the thing about Curtis is he's coming in and yet, you know, to say that he couldn't do the Genie Van Alden role is fair because again, he's not, it's a, that's a, that's a, 
It's a very grown-up role that Ginny Van Alden played. You know, when he used to go to Holland, he had a belter of a time going to Holland. He said, go and play the 10, go and flit around and score some goals. He's like, oh, brilliant. Like, like, like training with weighted clothes and then goes to Holland and just gets the fly, gets the fly free. In this formation, Chris, what you what you get to see from him, I think Ginny Van Alden would have shone in, this, in that position in this team, a 25-year-old Ginny Van Alden, because those years growing up as a winger, actually coming stands you in good stead. You're not good enough to start in that position, but you actually know what to do when you arrive in those positions as well. So that scoring from the back post stuff, that being a he's almost like a backup winger at times for us. Um it does perfectly suit Curtis Jones's skill set. It does, not it but it's not just about what suits your skill set. It's about the other players around you and those interactions on the pitch, the relationships that you've got with everybody near you. You know, you change one person in the team, you change the role for three or four players who interact with them regularly. And so Keir Jones is now having played with Jota for a little bit. He's now played with Diaz for a little bit. He's now played with Nunes on the left-hand side. This is all in nine weeks, mm. by the way. You know, he's had Randy Robertson there. Tim Akash will have had one appearance maybe or a couple of sub-appearances there. You know, the midfielder alongside him has changed. All this while you're in a new position, you're actually dealing with all these other forces of changing personnel and stuff. And he's handled it well each and every time. And it's testament to him that he is being, he is the one that's keeping his, his role in that side each and every week. But it's what he's doing on the ball. You know, it started off, yeah, slow and steady, keep the ball nice and safe, all this type of stuff. And now he's like, you can just feel it, can't you? I've got a bit of confidence. I'll, I'll go for this. I'll try a little bit of this. And he can hold his head up high now as part of this 11 and know that he deserves to be there on merit. And I think that plays into his confidence. You know, doesn't score the second goal without scoring the first goal, quite frankly, mm. from last night, yep. does he? Doesn't even take it on. No. You know what I mean? Doesn't take that, you know, he had confidence when he came in, It, you know, against Everton and all that type of stuff. It looked to Wayne, it looked to Ebb. And now it's back big time and he looks full of it and just ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. Just a couple of things I thought it was worth pointing out. You mentioned, Chloe, about goal return and what have you. And again, very small sample size on this. But that means uh, this season so far, 16 Premier League appearances, three goals and one assist for Kurt. And that's only in 919 minutes, which is, again, a very, very small sample size. Gini Van Alden's best ever goal return for Liverpool was six goals in a season. And that comes across, That's let's say, so in total he's played a 1,000 minutes for Liverpool this season, got three goals and one assist. And Gini Van Alden's best is from 1920, plays 3,600 minutes and gets six goals and no assists in that. So, again, different role, different position. But as far as a note of encouragement goes, Chloe, the fact that he he is getting into those positions and he is taking them and he does look so natural in that, he might never, he might never score six goals in a season, but... If he wanted to extrapolate it out, he's it doesn't seem it doesn't seem totally unlikely that he might be able to get to that kind of total if he was to stay fit and available. No, it doesn't. And it, I think yesterday also highlighted the role that, that Trent plays. The fact that Trent's there, he's in a deeper role, but he is a magician on the pitch. It means that Curtis Jones can reign free. He can go wherever he wants. He can pick up the space in the pocket because he knows Trent will find him. He knows he can be on the half turn because Trent and Fabinho there, as well as Henderson, to, to mop up. And it's gave him licence to do that. And like you mentioned, Chris, him being a winger early on in his career has really, really helped him for now because yet we've molded him into a midfield role. But if he can be a box-to-box, but 
really get some goals in him. That that all helps from the fact that he was a winger. He's been in these positions before. He knows what to do inside the area. Sometimes it doesn't come as natural to you when you're not full full of confidence. And we might have seen. I mean, he could have had a hat trick the other day. Should have. But it's it's all of these signs that are so so positive for him. And I'm really happy that another scouser can come in and look. He only he knows what it means to wear the badge as well as Trent um, and be from the city and know what it means for all of us as fans to then go and just like look how happy he was in the post-match it just it seems like it's fitting into place keep it off for a couple more games get a big pre-season under you learn more understanding of this role bear in mind this is Curtis Jones when we're not at our best we're not everyone is brilliant we're still having moments where for 25 minutes we're not great imagine what we are if we're going to go and go for a title or champions league run if we're at the peak of our powers with new additions who all understand the system the sky's the limit for him because he can get a bag full of goals a, a rising tide floats all boats doesn't it and i think that's where you need your experience your, your most salaries and all that to really lift kurt and harvey elliott and bite it up um, and that that's important, isn't it? I, I I do must admit, like I do think that the goals from midfield things slightly overrated. I think people have spoken about it, like it's fact for years. And like if you're getting ninety goals in a season, you don't really need goals from midfield. Yeah. What I will say on that point, and where I think everybody's right, they might come at it from a wrong sort of angle. Is I don't think we're getting a seventy goal season out of our three forwards anytime yes, soon. Yes, exactly. And that's the that that that's where he needs to fill in and. And you know, get okay. ten because we haven't got Mane who's scoring twenty five yeah. and Salah scoring thirty five well, and Bobby with twenty or we, whatever. Look at Gundogan as an example Brilliant. of this. You do need it's, it's just a nice extra, you know, you know, arrow in your fucking quiver or whatever to just have someone else who can crop up and score a goal for you with a degree of regularity. And if we can add that on the other side as well, you know, and that will be a transfer market thing because I don't think Jordan Henderson's got. That at this stage, as much as I set him that target every time I see him pre season, that goes this season, Jordan. It's never quite got there. Um, you need, you know, but if you've got someone like Elliot in there or someone like Gakpo in there, I don't think that's outside the realms of a possibility. You might, I don't know if Dar- I don't know if Darwin or Diaz is going to be a man a 20 to 25 goal a season player, so yeah, it, it, it's encouraging. The other thing is with when I mention goals from midfield. Over the five years, six years, I've looked at our attackers and one of the sides are being doubled up against, whether it was Mane, whether it was Salah, and it always left the other one with a bit more freedom. If Curtis Jones can find that freedom, because let's be honest, Diaz, people want to get touch tight to him because they don't want to let him get past you because if he gets past you, you're not catching him back. And if those players occupy the defenders then Curtis Jones has got the license to go into the space and that's where I mean a midfielder it's not that we constantly need to help out the front three but it's just them acknowledging the space oh if I get here ball comes in it's on me I've got it free and with how good of our wingers have been and people have tried to double up on them they've still not got the better of them because we were incredible but if that does happen then Curtis Jones has got more freedom and he he's the one out of our midfield that acknowledges it that reads the game that sees the space ventures into it and can, can get on the end of the ball it's interesting that because if you go back almost 12 months to the Champions League final when exactly what you've just said Ancelotti shut down and neutralised the space out wide and said to Fabinho go on then what can you do and I mean all know the answer to that you've got a lad in there who's prepared to take chances and be brave and 
take shots from distance, for instance. And I think that might be along the lines of what you're trying to say there, is that that's a, another string to your bow. It's another tactical thing you can do. We, we will continue to play against low blocks, particularly when Trent's able to break the lines with passing. Teams are going to go, right, what we're going to do is shut down his options, let him have the ball. We sit deep, we block down everybody he wants to pass to. That should make sure he, he doesn't get the ball from Trent. <clears throat> that's when you need someone who's, who's brave and prepared to do that. And again, since Gerard, we haven't had a centre midfielder that's prepared to pick the ball up and run at people. Because of his grounding as a youth player, his first thought is to attack. And, mm -hmm. and I'm all for that. We've got too many safe defensive players in our midfield or have had over the years. It's really refreshing to see a young lad with all the self-confidence in the world pick the ball up and go, I'm going to hurt you with this. Well, we used to mm -hmm. say, like, Felipe Coutinho, playing midfield, playing midfield, playing midfield. He was like magnetically opposed to getting in the penalty area. He, he hated it. And we had his best spell on the club that was coached. Coach like beating into him, little give and go. You'll get get yourself into more dangerous areas. And again, look at the Europa League goal against Manchester United. That was not a typical Felipe Coutinho goal, you know, being in those kind of positions. Mm. You had to really get, do it, mate. Give, go and get in the box, go and get in beyond. Case Jones will do that for you all day long. But he, he seems to be natural to him, isn't he? He seems to be choosing his moments better for it as well. Um, I like that. I like that. I really, really, I guess, really like sorry, that. Sorry, just close that. I guess the trade off is that. We go back to the genie thing. We we do concede goals down that side because because very often he's in an advanced position. Since we've moved Trent in, that means just means Fabinho shifts across one. Mm -hmm. Trent comes with him, and it, and it very quickly becomes almost a perfect double pivot with a with an attack minded midfielder in front. Because I don't think Curtis Jones is ever going to give you a fifty yard run back towards his own goal to make a, a last ditch save. I don't think he's got it in his game, mm -hmm. but the way we're playing now, that's fine. That's yeah. not what he's on yeah. the pitch. To he doesn't do. need it, but what he do, does do in a defensive sense is, and I think he did this really well last night. He was the first player out on the press, yeah. and everybody else followed. And what it's been for the last God knows how many years, but from a midfield perspective, it's been Henderson. And Henderson was in the sides and it was Kurt leading the press. And I don't know whether there was just a shift in something, whether he's just got a little bit more energy in the legs or something. But he goes and then the forwards are going as well, which is interesting. So he is giving you something in the de defensive sense. But Steve's right in terms of tracking back and doing it. He's got it in his locker, but it's not natural. He doesn't want to do it. Yeah. It's just, yeah I just think it's really, really interesting the way they talk, talk about it. And one of the things I thought was interesting, which I'll come on to, is how Jürgen Klopp kind of framed it all pre-match but uh, Felipe H sent us a super chat while we've been doing this he says uh, Curtis Jones justifying his role in the squad as a neutral he's what Ox should have been doesn't negate the need for new midfielders but he's class and and this goes back to our point about this is that if you create an academy player who goes on to be a world star then that is the stuff of dreams but actually what you really want is to create rather than like one star you want to create three or four lads who are just good enough to play in your team and then that's actually the money that you make and save around that is is amazing because all of a sudden you're talking you've got to be a forty million pound player to play in this Liverpool team minimum at this kind at this kind of point. So if you're good enough to play for Liverpool, you're a forty million pound player, and if you can, can generate three of them, then you're saving yourself crude math, but you're saving yourself one hundred and twenty million pounds in, in in terms of what you need to do to bring in just to fill your just to have enough players to play the game. It's true. There's the lad we're looking at at the moment. I think we're we're looking to buy a fourteen year old kid for eight hundred thousand quid, and and that will still count when he get if he ever gets to the first. He will still count as somebody because you've still saved yourself thirty nine point two million yeah. pounds. Like you know what well, I mean. Well, just the perfect example of that. Lately, isn't he? You know, he's a half a million pounds 
signing that you go that goes into your team. Uh, but no, I'm I'm really pleased. I think we all are um, for Curtis Jones. And why why wouldn't you be? Who doesn't want to see more scousers? Not everybody's pleased. Well, they should be. Uh, why does people don't want you know you should want scousers to succeed in this team because it's the lifeblood of this city uh, and beyond. Um, and it's, I keep saying this before. If you can keep if you if Harvey Elliott can justify his place as well, you've like got all we need is like a Liverpool fan from not in England, a born and bred Liverpool fan, and then you've got you cover the bases there. You know what I mean? You've got you got someone to pick if you could pick any. Whatever's whatever's currently developing the best footballers, if we can get a Brazilian uh, who's a born and bred Liverpool fan. That would be absolutely. I think there might be a few of them thanks to our Brazilian connections. Yeah, maybe, maybe just. Um, one thing I thought was interesting. I, I got guess, Georgian. Do you, do you want a Georgian classic? Yeah. That's so random that in typing Jorginho one album in, I typed the Georgian flag come up slightly <laughs> earlier as well. Weird. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, you know, you two probably didn't, or it's close certainly not. Jürgen's pre-match um, interview with Sky that was quite revealing. He, he, he often gives away his mindset on things. With, I don't know whether it's deliberate or whether it's just because it's so fresh in his mind and stuff, but he talked a lot about how this isn't really this season now. He's almost this is next season that they're already in. Now this is what they're building towards. They know they know they've they, they know they've fucked it. They know that they've they played it out of their own hands. Their mission is still to win football matches and to put it on the toes of Newcastle and Man United. But we've all speculated as to what this run of games would be. Mm. But it was the first time it, and it, maybe did it a little bit last week as well, but he's really quite unequivocally saying what we're doing now is figure is is we we wanted to try this earlier. We weren't able to. We were going to come to, and then we were going to come to it maybe more in the summer. And we've kind of turned around and gone, right? Forget it. We'll just we'll just throw all in on it now. Yeah. And it's what we'd all kind of hoped for. What we said about this this nine game or eleven game running, if you want, it was about building for next season. Um, and if and that's the case, we, it, it's going it's going very well so far. He occasionally likes to put fires out himself and, and educate people. And it's not like he's giving state secrets away. Mm-hmm. Every football club sits and watches videos of their opposition. Every football club knows what we're going to do. Cast your mind back to when we were winning Champions Leagues and Premier Leagues. Everyone knew what we were going to do. They couldn't stop us. With Trent in your team and Curtis playing the way they are now, people know what we're going to do. It's now a case of can you stop us? So basically what he's trying to do is Change the, for me is change the angle of the media perception of what's going on at the football club, and he's saying this is okay. This is this is where we're going. This is what we're evolving to, and we're doing it now, and we're enjoying it, and we're having a really strong end to the season. Watch out, Newcastle and Man United, because this is working. So I I think he gets bored of, and you see it in this press conference, the same rhetoric, the same questions over and over and over again. He he, he hates press conferences. He said it doesn't he? So this is his opportunity to via the medium of Sky Sports to address the footballing world and say, this is it, this is, this is who we are, this is what we're going to do, and it's only going to get better. And, and I'm all for that, to be honest with you. Mm, yeah, it is. It's uh, We'll see more as, as it goes along. But I, kinda, I, I want this to a bit uh, form the conversation in part two, really, because we say this every time we watch the football take to the pitch at the moment. It's We're learning something more about what they're doing and therefore it was how we're going we're gonna to react in the summer. Before we do that, then again, I just want to touch on Trent Alexander-Arnold a little bit more. And Chris, the the guy's a fucking genius of football, and yeah, you know he's finally playing in areas of the pitch where I think it's more recognisable because there's a little part of it when you're playing right back, it's just crossing, and I think everyone has this idea that well, it's a percentage game. 
Mm-hmm. Crossing you, merchants. Yeah, well, he's a volume, volume merchant, merchant, according it, yeah. to uh, so, yeah, awesome. a, a mank meth friend of ours. Um, <laughs> the um, volume, volume, volume merchants, he's not, he's a genius. And the one that really stood out for me was Cody Gakpo's chance, I believe, where it's a first time one, he just stabs it with like his right foot. Over the top and Gapo can't, he can't. His first touch doesn't do enough. Is it one of those straight balls over the top? Yeah. I was talking to you about that this morning, like pillow esque in it. Like there's not, it's the hardest ball in football to play. But I think for me, like you know, when you talk about the fullback position, Trent Alexander Arnold reinvented the fullback position. Um, he's not the first to play the hybrid role, mm-hmm. but in about two to three years, it'll be the Trent role. Yeah. There won't be another name attached to it. It's not going to be John Stones. It's not going to be Zinchenko. It's going to be Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yeah. If this is because that, that's the way that it's going at the moment, isn't it? You can't see it for anyone else. Like you had attacking wing wing backs in the past, and you had attacking full backs, but that's Trent's role, and I, and he'll be known for that, and he'll be known for this. He's reinventing two positions now on a football field, and he's what twenty four years old or something. Reinvented two positions. Did Makaleli do that? No, he did one. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? This is what he's got in his life. And he locker, got it just though. by kicking people. In yeah, the, in it's, the just, it's just wild how good he is. Like, it, there's Ash. just, there's just, there's just, it's mad because you can just sit there and go, what the fuck's he done that? How's he seen that? How's he played that? The technical ability he's got is just second to none. And I knew he was scoring that free kick last night. I called it on the watch long as I he's scoring this, like, and then the way he just dispatched it and ran and <laughs> slid. The knee slide was perfect. Yeah. The shrug was perfect. It's like he's just so in control of everything all of the time. And it, it's honestly watching him play centre midfield is like watching Neo in the fucking Matrix, mate. That's the only everything else is going fucking super slow and he's seeing everything all at once. Yeah. What's happening in that midfield is he's developing an aura. Yeah. So he, he looks bigger stronger, yeah. faster and better than everybody else. He sees every pass. He sees everything on the football pitch. Lots of fans will say, see, I told you you should have played him in midfield. I was right, wasn't I? I've been saying that for two years, but kind of got to get everything around you to work. He's totally uh, in sync with everything that's going on. And I think having that hands-on 24-7 involvement in the game stops him from switching off. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's making more interceptions as a result of it. He's always been good at intercepting anyway, but that's gone to a different level as well. And there's been occasion he's anticipated something and he's been the last man back. So it's... When he's you... got good defensive instincts in midfield. Yeah. I wouldn't say he had good defensive instincts at right back. I wouldn't no. say he was a bad defender. I think that's always been overstated, but his instincts are really good defensively in the midfield. Yeah, because he's doing what he, he did, but but wingers are quicker than him. A lot of them are not... Lacks a bit of pace, doesn't he, for a fullback in the modern day? Yeah. But the fact that he's so in tune with the game for ninety minutes means you can't be languid if you're not switched off, can you? And that's a criticism and a justifiable one that sometimes he can be overly languid. Now he's firing balls into feet, giving people opportunities to manipulate the ball. It's brilliant. Well, to watch. he's been given the license to like enough rope to hang himself effectively. You know, and Hendo had this in eighteen nineteen when he you know petitioned to be played in the eight rather than in the six. And he was like, cool. Well, it's on me. If it's all on me, then sound. I'd rather. And he always said this if you're going to gamble on anything, gamble on yourself. Mm. You know, and, and that's what it feels like with Trent. It's like, I'm going to do this, but but if you if you share any of your additional responsibilities, then we're all fucked here, mate. And this is a massive failed experiment. And you're in a world where you're going to be playing right back. You go back to right back and you're going to get slow, continue to get slaughtered for being a right back because of all, all this kind of stuff. And yeah, he just looks he looks reborn. It looks like it was the role that he was always meant to play. And obviously we're going to have those, continue to have those questions of like, do you just 
do you just free him completely of those defensive responsibilities and have him play in midfield? But I think there's a there's a misunderstanding, isn't there, Chris, at the moment about how about what Liverpool are doing? Because I think people are looking at him in midfield and forgetting that it's it wasn't Trent's fault at right back. It was a, probably a fault of the system in general. Football at the top end looks like it's evolved. This is what the next evolution of four three three looks like almost, or whatever you want to call it now, three, four, two, two, or whatever the fuck. Um Three, two, 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 whatever. It's if we if we put him in the field, we just go. I don't care. We can put it. <laughs> we fix the systemic problem by changing the the shape. Four, three, three looks like it's had its day. Now we might be able to reboot and buy new players for it, but I don't know whether we should. Whether you'd even bother your arse. It's about point. it's about having an extra man in the middle of the park at the moment, and yeah. that's what Guardiola and Arteta have done all season long, and that's what Liverpool have decided to jump on the bandwagon of. You know, defensively, it's still the same. Um, nothing's changed there for us. You still want your bank of four. You don't want to just throw them in midfield and have a bank of three. It's too much space. So that's why they 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 continue with the four at the back thing, when, or just swapping for Fabinho, or, or yeah, depending or, or on play where he is on the, one and have him as a double. Yeah, exactly. You know that then you then you've lost your advantage in the middle of the park because you lose yeah, your four man midfield. That's what it's a numerical advantage. Everyone plays three in the middle. You've played four. But you're manufacturing how you're getting that four getting person that seventh in there. Body into, in, exactly, in yeah. Defense, and we're splitting it? it into the five v five essentially: five attackers, five defenders. The stability the clock wants. From the side, that's what we're looking for at the moment. So it's not as simple as just put him in midfield and sign two centre halves to sit out alongside Virgil van Dijk. Doesn't work like that. Um, it is honestly fo- solely focused on having an extra body in the middle of the park. Craig mentioned the five v five thing um, on the post match, and it's every manager, every top end manager. This has been the conundrum because the best managers always do five to defend, five to attack. And even Rafa was aimed to do that at Liverpool. But the method in which you achieve that is in constant flux. It goes in cycles because you should, so what, people figure it out. People work out ways to combat it because in England in particular, parking the bus will, will always... It's like that's the mean, that's the average of English football and that will always have its day. You, if you can get... If you can get the best players in the world, the best defenders who are really switched on and what they will be able to stifle almost every team. So it's a constant battle of innovation of trying to do the, 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 this new, the for, new thing. This formation was used by Hungary in the 1950s. So this is just something else that's been brought back from the past. Yeah. There's no new Algebra 11 players on the football field. We're, we're 100 plus years in. Everyone sides everything. Yeah. They used to play two at the back in the thirties, didn't they? Let's not go down that route. Well, that's I mean, it, so. you know. But but this goes to the thing, you know. Five, three, five, two was very much in the in the nineties. Yeah, exactly. You know, and you you could play attack because you because you you had wing backs and that became a new a new sort of thing. But four two three one was very much the formation of the north of the nineties. And um, and Rafa, you know, was a big big exponent of this. And four three three, he's been back in vogue over the last sort of seven or eight years. And then this just looks like the next, the next thing because that's always the mission is that you've got to have more. You, you trust your attack. If you want to know what's next, look at what killed Hungary. And like that's probably <laughs> yeah. it because that, that, that this is what happens. It's just cyclical, isn't it? Yeah. Like. Yeah, absolutely. Okie dokie. Um, right, if you want more on this show, do check out the Final Word show uh, exclusively over on RevenPlus.com or if you are tier 2 or tier 3 sub on YouTube, you can get that one as well. And after the show, we're going to be doing the Bias Football Podcast. Uh, we, we have a look at the other things happening around the Premier League. We're going to be talking about Howard Webb um, lifting the lid behind or put, peeling the curtain back on VAR and Monday Night Football and some of the other results as well. So very good stuff. Right. 
quick break from us and then when we return uh, we're going to be doing Aggie rant and we're going to look ahead to the summer for Liverpool in terms of the system and players etc Hey, what's happening? We have got our huge, our mega, our extravagant end of season party coming up and available for ticket sale right now. Do you like what we do on the podcast, on the shows, on the match days, on the watch-alongs? Then come and see us live and in the flesh with live music by the full band of the Ragamuffins as well. Yes, the Reds have been in a, a tricky season, shall we say the very least. But you know what? Let's see the season out in style with the Redmen TV party for the ages. We're going to be at Hotel Anfield on the 19th of May. That is the Friday night. Get your baby babysitters booked and come and party with us to drown the season sorrows or celebrate a successful end whichever way it goes we will be there with you let's have a laugh tickets on sale right now the link will be in the description i hope to see you there hey yes uh, if you are going to be hanging around liverpool uh, this weekend or if you're coming down for the match against aston villa and you're out Friday night and you're looking for something to do and you want to start to get into the spirits of things ahead of times, then we're going to be at Hotel Anfield on Friday evening. Come down, party with us. Tickets are available. Link in the description underneath. Um, it's going to be really, really good stuff. Come. We're going to, we're planning on what we're going to do. It's probably going to be some end of season awards. So you're going to get a chance to vote for who your best players and moments or what have you the season are. I think we're going to do a live version of Director of Football game um, and then the ragamuffins are there to absolutely blow the roof off and have a good old sing song maybe so, we yeah. can sing the Firmino song for 15 minutes straight and maybe Trent shows up from Let's somewhere and puts minutes. one in the top bin 30 minutes straight 30 okay yeah. that probably would have happened if Trent wouldn't have scored yeah. that what's, goal, the Guinness, what's the Guinness World well yeah. Record for the longest of that, that song has been sang and let's just do that yeah um, right Agony Rant has anyone got anything they'd like to get off their collective chests this Tuesday, not particularly. It's hard when Liverpool are doing so great, yeah, isn't exactly. it? Yeah. And like, life's just fantastic. Oh no, I do. Uh, Leicester's support is absolutely crap. It is just a drum right next to the away end <laughs> that just is banged by someone. As soon as you scored a goal, he stopped it. His arms too sore to carry on. Um, yeah, nah, I'm not having that. That's a good atmosphere. Someone told me it was a good atmosphere. I went there five minutes, they were all right, but it was very much a drum right next to the away end, so you just couldn't hear us. But that just didn't work, that did drum it? is the most annoying thing. <laughs> it just, it, you just, it's dead hard to hold the song. <laughs> it's it just because it's always at a random beat, yeah. and it, either you end up going as fast as the as the, the drum, beat, yeah. and it's just horrible. And I hate it. Watford do it as well, don't they? Do you remember Watford, Watford? I think Swansea might do something oh, similar. Swansea as well. As well. It's, it's actually horrible, a really mate. clever thing that I've never really thought about until we went to some of those random aways where you put your most passionate singers next to the away end because they lead the whole crowd and it yeah. drowns you out and it is so hard if you're not on top in that game for you to get on top of the crowd situation Leicester with their fucking clacker things as well like really full of bits of cardboard just clap but it, like, <laughs> just it clap was, half the time like they weren't even singing it was just a drum just so that you couldn't hear what we were singing. Um, but it's yeah, fury, it was it? like after after Curtis James had scored, it stopped. And then Curtis James went and scored another one and everyone just left the stadium. It might have been to get a beer or something at half time. As soon as Curtis James banged that second one in, the guy who, who was on the drum probably pissed off him, to be honest, because he was not seen after that. Yeah, I I want to just touch upon, I, I don't know whether I'm going to do this on Biased as well, but I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it now anyway. The Mephs who's decided to slaughter Curtis Jones. And I don't mean 
not thinking a player's not great or actually not thinking, thinking they're not good enough. Because there's years and years of this. There's, there's tons of examples. And this is what this is what pub conversations all around. You know, my dad has this has had this for his entire life where he goes to the pub on a weekend with, with his brother, with my uncle, and he goes like, Oh, your uncle absolutely hates dot dot dot. And you know, every every season for as long as I've been, you know, alive, there's been uh, players that he's he's written off instantly and oh no, not good enough to not good enough to play for Liverpool. But we're now in this weird social media age where People have got to just be. I've got to take it too far, and I think a lot of it is because they're trying to do it for for for, for, for likes or retweets or or whatever. But as some of them, I, I thought it was quite funny. I saw some people I really like on Twitter dragging up some old tweets of <laughs> some of the some of the really established Twitter mefs. and they all, you know most of you will know what I'm talking about. You'll have come across them, even if I'm not specifically talking about anyone in particular. There's a ton of them. Um, you'll all have your favourites. That a gang of super weirdos who can't help themselves but but slander Liverpool footballers for no good reason whatsoever and it's all the ones who are saying Curtis Jones is a championship level footballer and the things were saying like he wasn't a scouser blah 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 and it's like like it's a bad thing in being from Liverpool I find wild um so I'm really I am really enjoying these just having to get back in the holes and what you realize is you've been doing this for so long it always happens there's always a footballer that that comes good, like Henderson did it and Lucas did Wait, it. And... But those people, they still just wait. They're like, they, do, they, yeah. they just go underground and, and like they're waiting <laughs> for prey or something like that. And as soon as as soon as they have a bad game, ten years into an incredible. Told Liverpool, you. Yeah, I told you he was shit, lads. <laughs> lads, but like we've had ten years of him being really, really yeah. good. Yeah. And You've like, been fact, holding on to that hate for a long time. Those those people Lucas aging was one yourself of them yeah. all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Jordan Henderson, yeah, the the other one. There's, you can think of loads of players down the years. I think some people just fundamentally forget that the the supporters, not fans. Yeah, and like you're supposed to support, yeah. and it's 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 okay to talk about somebody in a game or, or or think about what the future for them might hold. There's absolutely no need to go down the you're in our bed thing. Like you know what I mean. I sat here myself. A month ago, two months ago, saying I don't think Kurt Jones is going to be a player that is going to play week in, week out in a league winning side. That's not slander of him. That's just my opinion of him as a footballer and where he might go. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm completely reevaluating that statement today, yeah. and I might reevaluate it again in a month's time. Yeah. That opinion changed the fluid yeah. based on what you see in front of you. Yeah. I thought you were nuts a month ago to suggest Liverpool could win every game between now and the end of the season. No. I was nuts for not trusting in the side. Yeah. You were absolutely spot on to continue believing. Like it's just the way that it is. It's, There's so many of those examples yeah. down the years. I can't believe anyone is so stupid that they think they're always right. Yeah, that's the yeah. that's a wild thing for me. Yeah. You're not. Yeah. You're never always right. Because my mum is. Because <laughs> me. <laughs> um, it reminds me of earlier on in the season. I'm pretty sure it was all the way. We'd lost 3-0. It was horrific. But at the end of the game, as I was doing, you know, the, the post-match stuff, Liverpool fans started singing, you'll never walk alone to the players. And we were clapping the players. And people in the comment section were like, why do that? Yeah, because FSG will think, oh, why would we want to buy another player when they get... And it's like, lad, I'm a supporter first. I support Liverpool. I support the lads. The owners, I don't, I'm not thinking about in this moment. These lads, whether or not they've put a good performance in, those are the same lads that have got to get me to the end of the season yes. yeah, and, yeah. and do something. And they have. And who would... If, if they wouldn't have seen us, still clapping them 
maybe maybe they wouldn't have turned a corner maybe without the support Nunes Nunes next year might be absolutely unbelievable and he'll look back and he'll think every single touch that I had on that ball whether it was good or bad I heard Nunes from the cop yeah. every time round and it's to give them a boost it's to show them that you still there I support the players through thick and thin. I can tell you when someone's played bad. I can tell you when someone's played good. But ultimately, as long as you give everything for the badge and the, the shirt, I cannot. It. I. I can only support you. You're right, and this is the, this is almost the problem with like things like transfer windows in the middle of seasons and all this kind of stuff. And the idea that everyone's disposable is these are our, these are our lads for this season. You buy into that. It's almost like we should almost like everyone should sign a contract at the start of the season that goes right. Because I'm sure the players do. It, by the way, they do it in, they do it in like infant schools. Like here's your learning goals, and if you do this, then you will get we're guaranteed to give you this in response. Like right, we're all in on this team for this for this year. Yeah, we might add someone or sell someone in January, but we're gonna get behind everyone, and then at the end of the season we'll we'll evaluate it. And you shouldn't need to say this because that's just what football is. But of course, because everyone's you know opinions are like assholes on it. You know what I mean? The, the, and more so in the in the digital age and the social media age. There's a constant barrage of constant of all these all these opinions at all times, forever and ever and ever. You might you just need to these are the ones we need them to get it right, and the yeah. more likely to get it right when they're not being like, slandered all yeah, over the place. Exactly yeah. for no fucking reason. And but it goes back to Curtis Jones stuff. What does my head in? He's 22 years old. <laughs> just just don't, don't even we're talking about him. You know what I mean? If he's not if he's not pulling up trees, I don't even understand the point of wasting your breath to talk about him because if he'd not been good, he's done enough good things in those early stages of his career for me to go, I can see there's enough there's a bit of a footballer there, if nothing else. He's certainly better than a lot of the other lads who've come in the past and tried to do that and been nowhere near what he's what he's had. Like talk about some of the senior lads. By all means, like say say things about like Thiago and say things about Jordan Henderson. God knows everyone else has over the years. But to waste your breath committing a tweet about a, a, what would have been like a 20, 20, 21 year old footballer. That's the thing that's like that's like yeah. malicious intent. It's like you're going out of your way to talk about someone in that in that regard. Just have to think about how many players have been sacked off and ended up great. Look at Kevin De Bruyne, Mo yeah. Salah, for example, Odegaard. Um, at Arsenal doing well this season. There's so many of them every single year where they were crap yeah. until they went. There's a lot of Alexander Isak mega fans at the moment who are using him as a stick to beat Darwin Nunes, who went and did fuck all at Borussia Dortmund and then has to go to Sociedad to reboot his career or whatever. And now in the back end of this season, now he's fit and he's scoring goals and looks all right for Newcastle. You, you really put your show, don't you? You know, yeah. you know what the mad thing is about Curtis Jones is that like he's a scouser. Do you really think that? He wanted to play as bad as he was or have these niggles or get behind the lad. He's a scouser and being on the cop, we see that all the time. It, there's been moments in the season where someone's maybe been frustrated with the likes of Curtis Jones and said something and someone would turn around on the cop and say, why you do get behind him. He's a scouser. He, people underperforming, especially scousers when they're playing for their boyhood club, they're not. They're not trying to be. They're still trying to give everything. If you can, see, the only problem I have is when okay, it looks like players aren't giving everything, and then you've got to look at okay, but is it a fitness issue? Is it the fact that they can't play the system? Have mm -hmm. we ran into the ground? There's all factors that can accumulate to that. But Curtis Jones is a scouser. Of course, he wants to do well. He wants to do what Steven Gerrard did, and hopefully, he can start to do that on a consistent basis. Can I give you the thing on on scousers in the team? And I hear people say. If he wasn't scouts, 
he wouldn't be there. And and what that effectively saying is the before they're also you're saying there's a bit of bias towards there from the fans. Fine, totally admit that. I, yeah. I, want, I want scouts to be given a chance in the team. I just do. But also, players do perform. Scouts just perform better in the team. They perform beyond their level, and there's loads of examples of that. But let's use John Flanagan as a great example of this. He had a brilliant season for us. You know, he had a brilliant. Yeah, you know, comes. You know, playing left back for us. You know, the the Scouts Cafu stuff and all that kind of stuff. You know, we had we had a whale of a time, and look, injuries actually get in his way. But he was he was bearing himself more brightly than he probably had the capability to do over a long spell. He gave it all for for the shit. And he wasn't ever. He was never going to be able to match that. There's tons of examples. David Thompson had a similar thing as well, you know. And just to pick a couple of isolated names out, but what's the difference? It's like you say he might be a. There might be a, under, underneath all the nuts and bolts and the shine and the bravado of being scouts and the extra effort you put in. There might be a, a top end championship level player in there, but if they're performer at a level above that because they're scouts and they're in the team, what's the difference? It doesn't matter. There's to no, me, there's no fucking difference whatsoever. Spot on. There's two lads here and they're exactly the same ability. And, and uh, you, I'm signing the scouser. Yeah. If one's not and one is, I am. Yeah. Simple as. Because I want people who care about the, the badge and the shirt and the club as much as I do. And you know that he goes home fretting about it and trying to be better and trying to improve for himself and for us. Yeah. And that's part and parcel of it. This is togetherness with being a Liverpool fan and Kurt, isn't that? Harvey Elliott's exactly the same, by the way. doesn't matter, actually, if you're a scouser. If you're just a Liverpool yeah. fan, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's what that's what ultimately comes down to for me. It's not the scouse thing. It's, are oh, you a Liverpool fan? Yeah. And also, look, there's just... The, ge- the geographical thing of having lads, you know, born a stone's throw from the ground and all that, there's a natural, there's just something that's very natural around that. You know, you, there's a, be growing up in the shadow of Anfield and, and, you know, and looking up there, there's just something wonderful about the fact that Liverpool can be this global institution. It can be this, this, this brand that goes around the world, but we can still make footballers from within, you know, within a, an L postcode that are, that are good enough to be able to play for that side is magic. I don't want to bring up, you know, scars because I don't like this lad either, but Raheem Sterling was five yards away from Wembley when and scored at Wembley. To have that moment as well, what that must feel like, obviously he cares about England, I don't, but to have that moment, to live right next to Anfield, to dream about it, to understand what it means in the city, to go into school and outnumber the amount of Everton fans and the day after Derby Day, it's all you can talk about, it's all what is in the city, to then become that and you potentially get a goal, a winning goal in that Derby and then people in the city are talking about you on da- the day after Derby Day. It's just, it's a fairy tale and I like to live and believe yeah. in those fairy tales. We get fucking volleyed everywhere as a city by yeah, the rest of the country, you know, at all times, you know what I mean? It's like we're looked down upon, spat upon, slandered, you know, have our names and reputations dragged through the mud for a whole host of fucking reasons. Um, and to the idea that like a local Someone from this city can go and rise up is just amazing, and, and we want well, that's and that's why it means more ultimately is because we are from the city, and you want to see people from your own city brought up and look people from different all over different places. You know, you hear like Luis Diaz's rise yes. and all this kind of stories. I, I love that story, no matter where you're from, but it will always be intrinsically more special to see people from your own city make a success if you have that depth of feeling towards your own. City is the thing, but I agree with Chris's point. I love, I love Liverpool. I want Liverpool fans playing yeah. in Liverpool's team. I loved when Fernando Torres signed for us and all that. Like, yeah, you'll never walk alone on his inside of his captain's armband at Atletico Madrid and all that kind of stuff. 
you know, I, you know, Robbie Keane. You know, I, I, I was one of Daniel his many, Langer. one of his many football clubs that he uh, supports. Mm-hmm. I posted on the wall as a child. That's what we, we want more of that because it means more to those players yeah. to put on the shirt. Um, it's a life's ambition fulfilled. Even, even Ricky Lambert, who obviously yeah. wasn't a prolific Liverpool striker, to see him get the moment to, to yeah. get a goal, he's a dreamt about that, and for him to do it, it it's just boss to see, mm-hmm. and it gives. It, it gives you something to believe in and it, it's not just football any time a scouser does boss in any of their industries I absolutely live for it Jamie Webster live for mm, it yeah. Chelsea Grant live for it all because they're, they're us yeah. they're us they're representing our city a city that gets demoralised and is for some reason and Eurovision hopefully helped with this people hear the, the word Liverpool and they instantly have bad connotations of the yep. city even though they've never even stepped foot near it mm-hmm. and the fact that we can have these role models, these people putting Liverpool on the map and people instantly thinking, thinking of these people and thinking good things about the city instead of the bad connotations that people are making up. It's just great to see. The world wants us all to be what they think we are. And that's like, like these little, like, you know, like bin dipping troglodytes who will rob you blind when you step into the city. So the idea of like positive Scouse role models, I'm, I'm very much yeah. all in on. Um, right. Europa League. Guaranteed. Um, so no more. I don't need to entertain any more talk about um, the Europa Conference League or whatever the fuck it's called. Glad I didn't learn the rules. Yeah, <laughs> let's hope we never have to. <laughs> trophies, nice though. There's it's a nice. It's a nice. Cup, it's really, isn't like it? a cheaper version of the. Yeah, it's nice. yeah, less metal. It's nice. Um, like it. I don't like trophies without handles. There, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. There is a bit. There is a bit. It's more of a cup though with handles, isn't it, than a than a trophy? I still don't like the, handles. Debate. Feel like. It, Put handles on it, it reminds me of something out of Harry Potter. Yeah, let's try it. Yeah, no, my point was more I want to go for the, the trophies that do have handles, but that's okay, that's right. fine. Um, I mean, that's something, isn't it? Steve? You know, the Europa League now, you know, we can at least, at bare minimum, we can dream of a, a Europa League final in Dublin in a year's time. Um, that's something, obviously, top four. Well, I meant he was already booked this year. Oh Dan, yeah, yeah, yeah yes. Um, <laughs> Dan's already early. booked Dublin. Uh, he's going to be one of those. You've got a dead cheat, and he's going to be dead when that gets cancelled. And he's staying in Belfast and yeah. driving down yeah. to Dublin. He's got it all planned out. Oh yeah. Um, it, okay. To the point, it's it's something. It's not what any of us start to the season wanting. I think you know there's a change in expectations, and some might look at that as a negative of somehow it being accepting a Liverpool not being great or whatever. But given where we where we're from, the idea that we've got European football guaranteed again next season, there's a whole set of interesting and fun journeys, regardless of what happens. Cool, and yeah, it, we'll, we'll go now. Two more games left for us, three left for our top four rivals. Mm. Kind of case it are really. Yeah, absolutely, and and what was an unlikely journey when we seem to be heading for the same final destination as Chelsea at one stage this season. We've ticked the box along the way of this journey, so we, you, you know, the Conference League, forget it. Europa League, done. Three games for our Arpo, two for us. Can we tick that final box, which is the Champions League? And if we don't get it, eleven games or whatever it will turn out to be is not a big enough sample size to to build your campaign to get European football, Champions League football. And if we do get it, it kind of smacks of well how inconsistent the Premier League has been and we've done it with eleven quality games of the nature that we've come to expect this team to do. So much inconsistency before it would be bizarre to think that you in the last eleven games you go and beat and you win nine, you draw two and hey hey presto you've got Champions League football. There's a 
biggest story there about what's going on in the rest of the league as well as Liverpool Football Club. But you're right, Paul, we've ticked the box. We've got European competition next year. Um, if it's Europa League and we were to win it, it kind of, you genuinely can say Klopp's won everything then, can't mm-hmm. you? It's, got, it's another trophy that sits in that graphic designer image that has him surrounded by everything that he's ever won. Yeah. Um, it's not what we would have wanted, but it's a damn sight better than sitting in 10th place or we're still end up in the Conference League. Well, this is the thing. Go we've, back had the, to... sorry, we've had the second biggest win streak in the Premier League this season now. Behind <laughs> City. Yeah. City. City's miles ahead. Might even be, uh, is it 13 or 14? But ours is seven. That's what Liverpool are doing, This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hey there it's michelle norris i'm host of a podcast called your mama's kitchen when i travel i'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when i'm not at home and one of the things i love to do when i am at home is entertain and airbnb allows me to do that when i was in california recently i rented a house that had a great kitchen and when we were sitting around the table we're all thinking we're in someone else's house someone could be in all of our homes as well if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Going back to the Chelsea, yeah. Yeah, we drew 0-0 nil, nil with Chelsea. And at the time that game finished, we were eighth in the league. 43 points. We were seven points behind fourth place Tottenham Hotspur and fifth place Manchester United. Um and this is this is this is the thing, and Chloe. That's what they, that's what we had to they had to battle against. We were eighth, and we were at, we were we were having honest bit bit of gallows here. We were having conference league, you know, conversations and stuff and, and stuff about this. You know, league isn't the ideal, and of course, you know, we'll know more in you know in two weeks' time. We'll know for certain exactly where we are, but um, it's something, isn't it? You know, and again, if you're going to look for a building block from from here on to the end of the season, it's like having that banked. You know, you've got that sorted now, and if we can go win those last two games, cross our fingers and toes, and if the other teams bottle it, then absolutely laughing. I'll be, I'll, I don't know, I'll probably celebrate that more than I should. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll we'll just we'll just see what the next two weeks hold. Yeah, the, look, it's not in our hands. That's our own fault. I think, you know, if we'd have started this run maybe a game earlier, if Arsenal would have been a win. Then yeah, we I reckon we'd have got top four, um, but it doesn't always play out that way. But 
don't get it twisted. Come next season, all of us will buy into that Europa League because we want to win it. You you can't just be in a competition for the sake of it when you get to the, the final stages and stuff. And it's some good away trips. You never thought you'd ever be there. Um, yeah, it's Thursday night football. It's, it's not the greatest. But um, Liverpool fans will buy no, into it. 12 Saturdays. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Wicked up at them. Yeah. So that'll be good. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll all buy into it next season. You know, hopefully after a really good transfer window, a good start to the season, when it when that European competition comes round, we'll be all for it. And hopefully the players will then. And look, it, it might be a case of if you're also gonna if you're gonna try and challenge for the title as well, which people might think is a, a, a too big of a jump. I'm hoping that it's not. You need to play two games a week because you need to keep in that rhythm, yeah. and you also need to get yourself prepared for next season as well. Because if you want to be in the big competitions, you've got to play twice a week at least. Um, so you know it, it all comes together for that reason. And if we win it, that's just another way to get into the Champions League next season as well. So yeah. it, it, there's good bases there. Obviously, we want the Champions League, but um. What will be will be, and and we'll make the best out of of the situation next season. Absolutely. Just looking ahead, then you know, Chris, it's still very early doors in terms of understanding this, but hopefully Liverpool have got a better understanding maybe than we have. From what you've seen in the last of the last nine games, have you has it changed your opinion any on what what Liverpool need to do in the summer, um, or the shape of what they need to do? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think when we were playing four three three, I think we needed a six. I think we needed two eights. Um, Just an entire midfield there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I flip flopped all season long on Fabinho. Like yeah. now, at the beginning of the season, everyone was going in on him. I was going, I think it might just be that the eights are there. I think, and then I was like, Nah, he's fucked him. He's absolutely done him. It's not the kid. It's not the World Cup. It's not. It's mm. like he is broken. He's slow. And the last few games, maybe the last three games, probably last night especially. I think you mentioned it before. Yeah. Like he was on it last night, like big time. Wins the ball back for the was it the second Kurt Jones goal? Was it the second one? Did he win the ball back for high up the pitch and stuff? So I'm looking at him now, going, I think he's upgradable. I do, yeah. but I don't think it's an urgency now. Um, I still think we probably we probably need to buy flexibility in our signings. Like for example. McAllister gives you the flexibility, I think, to go to a four-three-three if you need to. Mount might not. Mm-hmm. In if if you were just one or the other, um, I know there's a there's a potential that it's both. I still think we need two eights. I think we need to look at the left side, the centre half slash left back thing. Although I think phase two was unveiled last night for the first time, where Robbo got forward so much more than in previous games. And we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. It was like, you know, you'll find the front three might start to move around a little bit more. The left bike might get involved a little bit more and have a team balance. Phase one was get chance in the midfield and see how that works. Add your bells and whistles a little bit later. Um, I definitely wouldn't have said we'd needed a left-sided centre-half stroke left-back mm-hmm. <laughs> um, before we changed formation. The position didn't exist. Yes, We had Tim McCash and we had Robertson. And I, I think Robertson can do it, but I don't think Tim McCash can, yeah. probably. Um, still needs to decide what we're doing with the, you know, what happens if Trent's injured. That's why I'm yeah, talking about flexible flexibility and stuff like that to be able to go back to a four-three-three formation. Um, as far as the forwards go, I think we're stuck. To be honest with you, you might have, you might have question marks over Nunes, but it's too soon to throw the towel in on him. Yeah. So yeah, that's probably it. Two eights, probably, but yet it's probably long term 
six at the moment, and a left-sided centre-half, maybe. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I think with the way it's turning out at the moment, when you sit trends alongside Fabinho, he's not really a six. It's a double pivot. Um, and you've not got that specified role that you're the six, you sit and you go left and you go right and you cover the pockets of space. What is interesting about last night is I've just sit there thinking, I can't remember the right side of Leicester doing anything. I can't even remember who played there. That's how bad it was. So I think that enabled Andy Robertson to be more of an attacking influence because there was nothing coming down their side. Equally, I thought Fabinho looked really good because they're, they're attacking midfielder, Jewsby Hall, didn't even start the game. So they had two, two sitting in Samare and, and Didi, and they offered nothing through the centre in midfield at all. So Van Dyke would have just said to him, go and play 15 yards further at the pitch. Vardy's a ghost of the shadow of his former self. He's, he's not Which the we guy. Can say now. Yeah, yeah. We could not say pre-match. Thank God. God. Thank God. scored against us. Yeah, exactly. They were offering nothing in terms of an attacking threat. So, whilst Fabinho was very good, you do have to take the, what was put in front of him into consideration. So, I think from a from a recruitment point of view, someone who's as close to Canate in physical attribute and style of play would, would benefit in that because that can't play out a whole season. That's far too physically intensive that role he plays in particularly if we're playing a decent side and he works harder possibly eights over sixes I agree with you two eights don't think we need a six I think we've got three bodies there that can all rotate through the six being Fabinho Bersetic and Henderson if needs be um uh, and and this left this left-sided thing is a, is a is a is a worry because if if phase one is um Trent doing his bit is phase two where Trent learns to sit in as an auxiliary right back, which really doesn't fit with me. And then Robbo does the same down the other side. Maybe we've gone with the, the quickest win, the low-hanging fruit now, which mm-hmm. gets us the best. Um, it's, it's still about the centre of midfield, and I, I agree with the Nunes thing, although I, I, I do have concerns about Nunes in terms of football intelligence. Um, a battering round won't always do it, and that, that kind of is what he is, isn't it? Yeah. A physical specimen that will run the legs off you. Sometimes you need a bit more than that. Um, and Curtis Jones has blurred the lines a little bit for me in terms of what we need in midfield because nine, ten weeks ago we never would have sat here and said, actually, this kid's a genuine option. And he is. He is a genuine option. And we talk about when he comes in, how is the drop-off? Is, is there such a big difference between him and somebody else? Well, the answer to that now we know is a resounding no, there isn't. He's holding it more than holding his own. So You sit in Thiago. Say again? You sit in Thiago. Yeah. And right now, if Thiago was playing, Thiago would be looking to give the ball to Trent. So things have changed in that regard. Um, two eights, two eights works for me. I think recruitment's really key, and I'm not going to sort of speak disparagingly of these two lads. But in the system we're playing, you don't, you can't have four or five touches. A to control the ball, B to get it out of your feet, C to look up and then think about a pass. We need much more technically gifted footballers who can move it in one, maybe two touches. So, You're so talking I, about Henderson, aren't you? I'm talking about Fabinho as oh, well, no. to be honest. Uh, Fabinho last night had loads of touches on the ball, went against the better side, you won't get that. And then there'll be a frustration because if you do that, all of your options in front of you, the picture changes. By the time you've had that third touch, the whole picture in front of you has changed and people have been shut down. West Ham, at times against West Ham, Declan Rice was completely bypassed. And this is a £100 million player, we're led to believe. Because Liverpool's pass movement, back to the old adage, was so good. And we moved the ball so quickly, going back to your point before, that no one knew what to do with us. They couldn't get near us. And that's something that needs to improve. Whether McAllister's your man to do that, I'm, I, I don't know. Whether 
Caicedo is. I don't know. Barella certainly would be. Um, and if you want tactical flexibility, that's where you kind of look towards Gravenberch because for Ajax, he was a DM. But for Munich, he's been a, a, a midfielder or even a cam at times. So yeah. there's lots of permutations out there that we, we, we can look to sign. But but two in midfield is an absolute must. And maybe a three in there as well. Some At some points as well, you've got to start thinking about the future of the right-hand side. And it, it might be, had Liverpool had a decent season yeah. this season, that might have been something I'd be looking at, you know. Mm-hmm. And I know Salah's got two, three years, maybe more in him at the top of the game. But, like, it's a fucking big risk not having a right winger at your football club, isn't it, really? Like, I mean, Ben Doak, I think he's been taking up the firing line a little bit, and I think rightfully so. Don't know what's going on with Kai Gordon at the moment in terms of, of, of his development. I know Diaz can do it, I've been told. I know Jota can do it, I've been told. For the flashes I've seen, I've never really thought they look anywhere near as good as off the left. Um, Like, surely... Surely a punt on a. Let me ask you a question then. And that's really interesting you say that. If you play Diaz on the right, he's not inverted. So he's not running into the half space yeah. that, that your centre forwards want to play in. If you're playing Nunes through the centre, he very quickly identifies which one of you two centre backs I'm going to play off the shoulder of. Mm. And it was Tarkovsky against Everton. He decided that was his target. That nullified the space that Salah wanted to play in. If you played Diaz there, and then you put Nunes out left where he played for Benfica and you've got Gakpo in the middle. That That's potent for me. That's quite a potent strike force. I think Diaz can play anywhere you want him to play centrally off the left. He works off the left because we're cashing on that old inverted thing that Mane did so well. Eventually, inverted will get found out and we'll have to stop doing it. Like you said, it's cyclical. And we'll have to go back to tried and tested. He's right-footed so he plays down the right-hand side because all of the DMs that everybody plays sit in front of the centre back and shuts down the space you want to play in like Real Madrid did with um with Cruz and Modric. They they managed us really, really well. So uh, there's lots of differences and at some point I think we there's a world where we see Diaz, Gakpo, um and Nunes as a front three. And Nunes playing off, my, his, off my, the Benfica. I could side. see I could see it, right? I just don't see how you get to goals. seventy goals yeah. from the front three that way. I just, that, that's the thing. That's the one thing that the inverted Forwards, not wingers. I agree. Us. And and also, you can try and stop it. But if they're too technically good for you, good luck. Yeah. If he's got pace and he's got he's got a half yard on you, you're not catching him up. I agree that I think Diaz would be fine. I, don't, I mean, again, the problem is is that you're asking who, how do you replace a at this point forty four goal contribution footballer off the right hand <laughs> side, and the answer is you can't. You know, you have to find other ways to 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 skin the cat. And it goes back to me. I I'll, I'll get yours in a second. What I don't. I quite enjoyed watching what we've been doing, and I think Curtis Jones is performing really well. And I think actually thought Henderson had a good game last night. He looked didn't look anywhere near as knackered as he has done in recent weeks, which is understandable. Same goes for Fabinho. Same goes for Andy Robertson as well. But I don't know when I look at I can only look at like Man City and Arsenal and gauge a little bit from what they've done with that with similar systems. Is Liverpool are going to buy some lads this summer, and they're going to be better at doing those jobs than the ones we've got already and we don't know it yet because we haven't because we haven't seen it yet we might just get someone we're all going Curtis Jones is absolutely amazing but we could just get someone in who does everything that he does but, he's, but he does score 10 goals a season on, on top of it and we're like holy shit this is this You're is a revolutionary right. thing and so for me the ones that I think are doing okay for now but I look at 
I look at Ben White playing right back for Arsenal. Now that's Andy Robertson in our team. And is can you get can you get a left footed Joe Gomez? Is what I'm thinking. Can you get someone who's six foot one, six foot two, who's got the engine that Robertson's got? Maybe you lack a little bit of the quality in terms of the delivery, so his assist numbers will be a bit lower. But actually, he's taller, so you're more resolute from set pieces, and he's more physically, he's just a bit more physically robust, and he's younger. So you know, there's only a couple more years. I think we're going to get a, out of the level that we're asking of Andy Robertson for the minutes he's playing. Henderson's exactly the same. Is Henderson what Odegaard in Arsenal's team? Is mm-hmm. Kevin De Bruyne, I think, in Man City's team? I think the fact that Naby Keita was starting to come into it into it last season instead of Jordan Henderson, I don't know enough yet, but it feels to me that there's probably something. It's in a bit of Gakpo there. Are you, are, is Gakpo actually the 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 silhouette of what we're looking for from that position? Maybe I honestly, I honestly don't know. And then yeah, that that left hand, that other that other eight. And then do I want do I want someone who's just gonna who just is ball hungry for this for the six? They're the big questions over that. And I honestly, this is my point. I don't actually I don't actually know enough. It's the it's the you know you look at history. Dalglish was a certain type of forward when his career came to them. We had to change what we did. Then we got Barnes, Beardsley, Aldridge, and Houghton. That that front four that had to change. Mane, Firmino, Salah, obviously there's only one left at the end of the season, so that will change. We may need to evolve again and change our style of football completely because there isn't another Mo Salah out there to go and buy. Early on in the season, we were having conversations around Chiesa might be available. Everyone was like, yeah, he's really good, but he's had some bad injuries and stuff like that. What does the fu- We don't know what the future looks like because Gakpo is always going to play this side of this 18-yard line. And it's unlikely to get you 35 goals a season. So your point about getting 70 goals, where does that come from? Maybe you go slightly narrower again and you play with, with two more orthodox nines, which might help Nunes. But then you give, give him a partner. So you've got to learn to play with that partner. And th- th- that that has its challenges, obviously, with tactics and all that stuff and language. Like you said, you just don't know where this goes. If you're playing Gakpo, I'm really sorry, Claire. I know we've talked. No, right. If you're playing Gakpo as as the new Bobby Firmino, that works because your point is you've got two twenty-five goal a season forwards or a twenty and a and a twenty-five to thirty goal either side. So who's asked if Firmino gets ten to fifteen goals? It's absolutely fine. But at the moment, we don't know if Diaz is, is that. And so the, I wonder whether I think we saw the other day where Gakpo becomes the the eight slash ten. Nunes then becomes your goal scorer in centre forward. Then that mitigates Diaz not being as free scoring from that left hand side. But but then I just don't think there's going to be quite as much a fixed forever. This is what we're going to do. I think we're just going to. I think we're going to have two systems, probably three, and one of them is Nunes up front with Gakpo behind him, and the other one is Gakpo up front, but maybe two slightly more goal scoring lads in the side, and then somebody's a bit more robust in the right side of eight. But go on, Chloe, what 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 are you doing this summer based on what you've seen? I think just because players are doing good now doesn't mean you don't need to better them. Yes. Um, Curtis Jones is, is doing boss. Hope he you know continues his run of form and becomes a superstar for Liverpool. That's what I want. But he also needs help because he's he's had quite a number of injuries in his young career, and we've got to manage these players. Uh, we've got to this season, and everyone's been running to the ground because we've not solved it earlier on. We can't have another time like this. If you're gonna try and go for all four trophies from the start of the season, you need a big enough squad. You need a squad that can go and go again. Um, so I, I I definitely think we need at least two midfielders. 
I think for Bino, you might give one more season to him, see if he comes back because the when he's got an established two midfielders who know the role, can do the role to a high quality, um, and you've obviously got Trent there, then maybe just maybe he gets his legs back because he's he's not having to cover the space that every midfielder we've ever had vacated in the earlier part of the season. I think Canate for me, he's had far too many injuries, mm. and I am a little bit worried about that. Um, I think he's absolutely unbelievable, but it's a very physical job. He's and he's doing he's bossing it by the way, but it's extremely physical, and he's had quite since he's came in, he's had quite a number of injuries. So I am I'm, I'm worried about that area. You've then just mentioned the Robertson problem, which I hadn't even fully thought through because I was more bothered about the right side of centre half because Matt, Virgil's you nailed on Matip set to go, so you need to kind of claw him back. Yeah, you've got Joe Gomez, but who knows what levels he's he at? Yeah. Ultimately, you got this is the problem we fell into with the midfield. We we tried to get th- muddled through with yeah. two injury pro midfielders and hoped that they were both alternatively fit. Yeah. That's what we're essentially open for with Canate and, and Gomez. You can't ask Nat Phillips to try and do this system because I absolutely mm. love him, but my word, I don't think he can do what Canate is doing. So I'm a bit all over the place. Like I definitely think the midfield needs sort, and I'd love a, a right side centre back if I have to sacrifice that and just tell Canate to go again. And if that left side centre back could also cover Canate, maybe find the, the middle ground. I know it's two different roles there. Um but if he can slot in and, and try and do that, um and I'm not gonna lie, I would like to, to have a punt at someone who could maybe play up top. It's not a must, but it's exciting that's for sure. Yeah. What that type of player? Sure. Um Give me a name. A name? God. <laughs> not, not just a name, <laughs> A name. Oh, get back to me in five. Get back to me in five. I I want Barella. That's who I want. Give me Barella now. Yeah, I, I, there's something to it. He's not an attacker, but just looking at what Liverpool have done, and I, I, what you want is, I just like kind of look at Real Madrid's minutes there for their midfielders. There's nothing wrong with Thiago Henderson and Fabinho, provided they're all playing sub a maximum of about three thousand to three and a half thousand minutes. I think in in a season. And we can cover. And with Milner going, we can. Co- I think. I think we. I think we're stocked for a James Milner replacement in a bunch of other footballers. But I think you just need to go out and buy what Oxlade Chamberlain and Naby Keita were meant to be. And I don't necessarily mean systemically. I just mean prime age yeah. footballers who were bought for the first for the first eleven. If you went out and did that in this summer, I don't think. You, I don't think you can fix all of our problems in one summer. As well as what as my general take on this. So if you're if you're looking at Keita and Ox leaving and Milner leaving and probably Matip, if you just replaced all of them with, I think Milner's replaced by Bacetic slash Curtis slash Elliot and and maybe Carvalho just playing some more minutes and there's no reason why they can't because they're all young healthy footballers. I'll bait I'll bait at least one of them's out for the season at the moment. Um, the, and if you bought a Joel Matter replacement in who was left footed. Yeah. That probably solves there a bunch you of your problems. I think we'll be. I think we'd be all right. And then, who's your? Who's your? Then everyone's sort of. Have you finished your sorry? Uh, yeah, I mean, no, <laughs> never. <laughs> who's your, all right then? Who is your one? Okay, I'd love Does this it have player. To be realistic. Yeah, oh. maybe someone that we've been sorry, linked Valdez, with. Eh? <laughs> so maybe so. Mine's Agate. He's the yeah, ball hawk you were talking about. Yeah. Like that's what I that's what I'd love to see at the base, but I think it's 
next January, next summer type of thing. It's just, it's just there's too many other problems to fix at the moment. Yeah. I think what I said before, putting Trent alongside Fabinho is bit has stopped the stem of goals coming against us, and has helped Fabinho massively because, as you said before, it's kind of like who are you signing, Gorilla? I don't know because he's he's what Curtis Jones. We want Curtis Jones to be. He's already that. Mm-hmm. I'd I'd like someone to resurface that clip from about two weeks into the season where I got asked who would we buy aside from Jude Bellingham and my answer was Barella and no one was expecting it and if he signs I need that clip to go around just for myself. I don't know enough about this system yeah. to be able to say who fits anymore. I need to just, and that's why I'm quite I'm kind of like and I've been quite lazy fair about this all in general to be honest this season but I think the, the people who are involved in it will, will have a better understanding of it. I trust in them to do it. But I don't know enough about... I don't actually don't know enough about half these players. Like I don't know enough about Alexis McCarthy. I like the looks and the bits I've seen of him and that, but I don't understand functionally enough about what these roles are. 43, I could say it all day long. I knew exactly what 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 we were looking for in those in those profiles. Now I'm less... I'm far less convinced. And that goes back to my earlier point. I'm actually really excited to see because I'm quite happy with what we've got. But there is a world where we buy three players and they are transformative. And what we're looking at is this really pale version of what they're actually trying to achieve. And it just could be my above and beyond miles ahead of what we're what we're and I'm as I say I'm I'm happy with what we've got so far. Just one um we've got a super chat from Alan Garza it says do you think we should keep trying Harvey Elliott in midfield yeah. or transition him strictly into a salad understudy He's next not, season? He, I don't think he can do that role. Which one? Salah. Salah. Yeah. I worry for him. I worry for him. This new system doesn't lend itself to Harvey Elliott for me. I really genuinely do worry about I, him. I think it can, personally. I can he not play on the left I, side? Honestly, I think he's exactly the same player as Odegaard. He's just a few yeah. years behind. And o- Odegaard is excelling in that role. He's running that Arsenal side. He's not asked to do all the defensive side of the game in exactly the same way that I think Harvey Elliott shouldn't be. You know, um, I, I, honestly, I would recommend anybody going and watching the deep dives we've done on this. Like, we've done mm-hmm. so much work, not on the 20-minute show, but, like, hours of research, probably more than anybody else has looked at this formation. Question for you, then. If you're doing the Odegaard role at Liverpool, if you were to do that for the next game, surely that's Curtis Jones because he's the one with the licence to be... It's where they start, though, isn't it? So, for me, it's that right-hand... Eight is the Odegaard role. Yeah, they're both left-footed for a start. He cuts inside. He plays the through ball. It's something creatively. Harvey Elliott's exactly there. Kerr Jones is your Gundogan role or your Xhaka, where he goes in between the centre halves in a forward motion, and then that creates the space for the left-footer to come in and play those little ten-like sort of balls. That's what Harvey Elliott does. It's perfect for him. It's just whether he's there with the system. I think at the moment whether he's been brought up for the last three, four years in this 4-3-3, transitioning to the 4-3-3 midfielder role rather than the right. And I just, I think he's going to play. I really do. And I think the role will suit him. But that's only going to be borne out in time on the pitch. I, Dev, sorry, devil's advocate, and no, no disrespect to Harvey Elliott in that role, but, but Odegaard's different physically than Elliott. But it lends itself to playing. He's a bit but but was he four years, five years ago? Because that's what we're talking, an age difference. Uh, no, no, I'm not, 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 no, is he 19, Harvey? I'm not making the no, case no, no, to say no, no, don't do it. Is yeah. he, I think he's 19 years old. He's 20 now, Elliot. 20 but, now. But yeah. So, um, and, and Martin Odegaard's 24. Can be 24 I ask next, next another season, question then? 
if we're, like we mentioned earlier, we can't run the youngsters into the ground by playing them far too much, do you reckon Harvey Elliott could do the Curtis Jones role? Because if, say, we got someone who's better on that right-hand side who simply just comes into our team and plays the majority of minutes, because through the majority of the first half of the season, I was screaming for Harvey Elliott to go on the left side of midfield because he's naturally honest but to ingrows What I was I wanna... thinking watching the game last night was we play inverted on the left-hand side, but we can't play inverted on the right-hand side because we don't have a left-footed midfielder to come, come yeah. in and, and, and mirror that kind of thing. And where, where Curtis Jones works so well is because him and Diaz can interchange. Diaz can be like the deeper one and Curtis can go in beyond if needs be and you're replicating that down yeah. that side. I think Elliot can do that. I agree that he's he's probably two or three inches too short for us to be comfortable. He's going to have to be... He's going to have to work twice as hard to get himself into that kind of situation. Yeah. But just looking at Martin Odegaard, like, Five years ago, he was on loan at Vitesse, Arnhem. There's a crap. Four years ago, he was on loan at Real, at Real Sociedad. You know, he then comes into the Arsenal side on loan in 2020, in 20, 2021. Scores two goals in 20 appearances for them. And then it's this season when he's had his real breakout Great, for them yeah. at twenty at 24 years old, yeah. which he should be. I mean, we're looking at Kurt, uh, Trent now. He's 24. And this is like, okay, he's been brilliant as a right back, but he looks ready to be an absolute world superstar in midfield now so the Elliot one's an interesting one it just depends whether we've got is that the fear is are we is that is he too much because we're seeing Jordan Henderson yeah. do it and we all know Jordan Henderson can pitch and go the other way and I really like but what I, yeah, Odegaard I does I don't know if Odegaard works as well as he works as well systemically if he's got a Gakpo in the team with him because Gakpo will drop into the spaces where other guard wants but to pick up the ball. But what did he play, Gabriel Jesus? He's nine. But is he though? Well. He, he was very much there. Yeah, and it's all about the makeup Bobby of the side, isn't it? You know, you can tell me that, right, well, let's just move Kerr to the right-hand side, as an example. Yeah. Isn't that exactly where Salah wants to be? Kerr runs in between. Yeah. Salah cuts inside. You know, it's all part and parcel of the makeup of who you've got currently, isn't it? Doesn't I've it? always felt that it suits us to have the left side either come in or go around the outside in oh, where, yeah. where Harvey's comfortable. It kind of works with Diaz and Jones at the moment, as you mentioned then. There's a beautiful synergy because the two of them can sort of dovetail really well because they've both played that left wing. They both like to cut inside and have shots. It's a, it, And it does depend on the forward, of course. You know, I think Harvey Elliott works really well with a Nunes, for example, rather than may, may, maybe a Cody Gakpo. But then does that mean that actually Cody Gakpo can play uh, with other players? So it's, this, I think, is all learning for Jürgen as well. and and Because you might go in and go, this is how I want it to work. I'm not 100% sure when Jürgen went to the 4-3-3 that he thought he was going to get the best front three in the world, to be honest. Correct. And, I, and, and, and that's just the way that it is. Yeah. And sometimes you just go, fucking hell. Hey, fucking lucky there, weren't we? Yeah, Jesus Christ, like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Going back to the Super Chat, I, I don't think it's outside the realms, particularly now, because I don't. you just can't go and buy. You, to, the quality required to be a salad understudy You've got to go and buy someone who's probably 24, 25, who's ready-made, you know what I mean, to be at that level. Or you're taking a punt on someone younger. If you're taking a punt on someone younger, you might as well take a punt on who we've got. And I, I agree, Kate Gordon's a big question mark on this because if he comes back at the level that he was, that's very encouraging. But there's big Rian Brewster alarm bells on there that he was never right after the injuries that he had. But between Doak and Elliot, and 
I know what everyone's saying. I don't. I don't think he's a natural one for one, Harvey Elliott and, and Mo Salah. No. But if you're playing a low block side, and you you want someone to come in on that on that on that right hand side and replicate, he is left footed. Yeah, he, he's got a great range of passing, and he's great. He's got a great vision. He's happy to shoot. He'll get in the box and score a goal as well. You don't need him to have electric pace because there's no space in behind anyway. We saw it in the Rangers game away. You know, okay, we'll play. We won't play many teams at that kind of level, of course, but. He can defo. Best example, do it I suppose, is you can do it in individual games. You're not knocking in thirty goals in a season. I think if you're Harvey Elliott, I, I just don't see that he's going to be able to get to the to that level. Never play the games to but, get thirty goals. Well, yeah, but Shakiri could slot in for a game and we'd win it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what you're looking at. I don't see Harvey Elliott as the long term replacement, but I'd certainly play him there for a game or I mean, two. If we yeah. got, let's say, we got McAllister um, and Barella, for instance. So McAllister is your is your eight on the right-hand side. Mm. And Barella becomes your upgrade on Curtis Jones, as well as he's playing Barella is, a, is an upgrade on Curtis Jones. Then that's kind of locked down to some degree. If you've got McAllister and you've got Mason Mount, Mason Mount is the guy that is the potential upgrade on where Curtis Jones is right now. Had a bad season, granted, but he's still a technical, technically very good footballer who would suit that role. That recruitment of those players brings into question whether you could create, still create an environment where you have an Odegaard and it might be Elliot. It's really difficult because we're not Arsenal and we're our front, particularly through the middle up front, we do something slightly different to them. Like, Jesus doesn't play off the shoulder of a, of a centre-back, whereas Nunes very much does. Jesus doesn't pick up the ball in the centre circle, hold Casemiro off and start attacks like he did against Manchester United. So there's that channel that Odegaard wants to occupy, slightly to the right-hand side, obviously, where, where he's really effective. We're doing it a little bit different. So I take your point. I think Elliot's a really interesting concept to play in that position in exactly the same format it would work. It's just... Our recruitment will, dis- well, for me, will dictate. This is why I'm worried about it. We know where we fall far out of all of this. We do this constantly. Is thinking that footballers will always stay what they are. Yeah, they improve. And <laughs> like, Harvey yeah. Elliott's 20 years old. And he's already come in. There was a point when he played more minutes than anyone. You know, he played, he played in every game for us. And that was... was our player of the season at the start of the first yeah. four months of this yeah. season. You know, and what he is now, and again, the Odegaard thing, it's, this, that four years of development is huge. It's huge. Odegaard is now a senior. He's grown up. He's grown into his was body. Was he 15 or something when he went to Madrid? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, he's, go had back. Proper, he's had nine, ten years nearly. 2014, 15, he joins Real Madrid and he gets, he plays like a, a, one appearance in the first each, each of his first two seasons, gets a nine in the season afterwards, then goes to Heerlen Veen for two seasons on loan and doesn't really do anything there. Does Vitesse and does okay, does actually pretty well. Apparently, you know, I saw someone in the comments saying he was brilliant and Sociedad, seven goals in 36 appearances there. But again, it's Sociedad, the, the levels are different, the requirements are different. This is a Liverpool, this is a good Liverpool side, even though it's one that struggled this season. I don't, we, none of us knows on this, but again, to the point, seven weeks ago, eight weeks ago, we were talking about Curtis Jones, like, you know, probably not. And now we've just we did like twenty minutes earlier on in the show talking about how he was absolutely, you know, he he, he looked really good. He looks like a we never really knew though, did we? We never really knew where Curtis would get to because we never saw a run of games. No, and we might, and we might not. He might look. This might be it. This might be it for him. Mm. This, this is my point: is that we 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 need it'll be determined by who we buy, and we might be surprised because again, in reality, what might happen is we'll just buy someone better than Curtis Jones in the, the summer, and then either that'll be the last of him. 
or he'll rise to meet that. Or he'll just be, as I've said for, for weeks and weeks and weeks, Darren Fletcher. He's just a really capable squad member who can drop in in any given situation and not damage the level of the team. And in fact, actually, he's good enough to win a game of football play, as we've already seen. And that can be done all over these all over these positions. Um, I think what we've got, we've got some really promising young players there, and I'm glad that we can kind of recognise that now. We still just need to plug those middle gaps because we've done it in attack. The attack, we've got the right age categories in, in attack. We're not far off it in defence. And if we buy two 23 to 25-year-olds in the midfield, we've probably got that balance back all of a sudden okay. in there. Laughing. From the pool of players that we've been linked with, and obviously this is just rumours, so it's likely that half of them aren't even actually being linked to us correctly. Is it a case of if you get a mount, you can't also have a Barella in the same team? Because that, when you sort of explaining it earlier, talking about people coming from the right-hand side, the left-hand side, especially with Harvey Elliott with us, is there a pool of players where they can't play together? So a McAllister, can he play with a mount? Can he play with a Gravenberch? Can he, like, does us really being in for one player mean that the other three players who we were interested in we just can't well, go for now because don't fit I'll the system? T- I'll talk about McAllister first then. He started life as a 10. Uh, for Argentinos Juniors, um, one of, one of the sides over over there played as a ten, complete and utter playmaker for them. That's what he was. Now I say Alexis McAllister to you now. You're not thinking ten, are you? You know what I mean. He's played as part of a double pivot so far this season. He's played as a as an eight so far this season. When I said tactical flexibility, McAllister was the person I was thinking about because he can do all of it. Yeah. Personally, love the look of Gravenberch. Could yeah. absolutely do everything think it's a risk think it's a risk liverpool sh- should probably take um i think you can get anybody to work in in a football side i think you can have two tens work if you want to but then it depends on what your sixes are I, and that, it's that balance all the time isn't yeah. it for me we're in a when position, you're building a side we're in a position where if you're not buying you bellingham which of course we should be <laughs> there's a lot of footballers out there at this in the bracket that we're looking at you know what i mean who are, who are better than what we've got because at this point in time, you, you need robustness again. You know what I mean, and availability. You don't. I don't think we necessarily need that. The one superstar, the one. I don't think we're buying Virgil Van Dijk and Allison and Mohamed mm. Salah this window. I think we're buying. We're looking to buy good footballers, and there's a, there's a lot of space for some really good all around footballers. To your point, that that versatility and flexibility. But again, it comes back to it. We're looking at Arsenal. We're looking at Man City. It's Liverpool. We we might just do something completely different. We might take what they've done and build on it and do something different. So we're saying oh, it might not work with this guy or it might not work with this guy. We couldn't know less, really, at this point. We can do loads of stuff. And again, just to reiterate, it's done some brilliant work on the deep dive on this. So if you want to get closer to it, do go and check yeah. those shows out. Certainly, right. We're gonna to have to move on because we've gone. Can I just horrendously ask one last question? Instead, I want Barella and I want like Mason Mountain Barella, the ones that excite me the most. But do you reckon they'd be able to fit together that, or not? That would be a stretch for me. Yeah, it's. God damn it! Can Lallana play the eight? Can Can Mount play the eight? That's a question mark for me. I think he's got the raw ability to do it. Both of them Probably air on Steve's side of the Sly. argument here. Where Mount for me is a classic clock player. I think his versatility comes in the front line. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sound. Okay. Wicked. Um, 
hell of a side though you build no no in my dreams <laughs> like join me on fifa <laughs> <laughs> but yeah again we know we build we're rebuilding a squad not on not necessarily an 11 so you don't want to you, if you've got to buy one guy on that either. yeah if you're gonna buy one guy um and he's the transformative one in your team we're not that's not this summer yeah. this is the summer where you buy three who can all do bits and pieces yeah. no no one of those players there i think is is your Jude Bellingham replacement? <laughs> That's unfortunately because we've slipped. That's next summer when you go and buy your one, su- your one superstar or your two Unless superstars. we get Champions League, <laughs> what twist? Um, right, so back in for Bellingham. Come and join us on the Bias Football Podcast, where we're going to be talking about the relegation fight, the top four fight, and more. Besides, very oh, very good show over on RedmenPlus.com. Uh, if you want to get your subscription to there for a hugely discounted price, if you go on there, choose a club captain yearly subscription and use the code YEAR. Y E A R. It's 50% off a yearly subscription. It means it's just £25 for a whole year of Redman Plus. Dozens upon dozens upon dozens upon dozens of shows and podcasts. You're going to get the Bobby Firmino documentary that's coming out this summer. You're going to get the run in now of the last transfer couple of weeks. Window. The so summer much transfer, transfer window. window. We sign all these players that Chloe wants. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> head to redmanplus.com. If you, if you go and do it now, then you can literally come and watch us do this show immediately after that as well. Uh, other than that, that is uh, Redman Originals. If you want to come and party with us on Friday, grab your tickets oh, yeah. from the link below uh, and we will see you all for another Redman Originals next week. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Listen to this Acast show ad-free on Amazon Music with your Prime membership. Or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.